Hey everyone, it's Michelle and Brayden, and this is Spooky Shit. This week we're going to be talking about cold cases, so I'm going to start out by talking about the murder of the Grimes sisters. And then I'm going to talk about the deaths of the Jameson family. Warning, this episode may contain graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, we actually created a family affair thing. <laughs> we always do that. I never shared what we're talking about, and I was a little afraid whenever I said it, you'd be like, we need to record later. I also chose the same story. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a super rare occurrence if it ever did happen. It's got to happen someday, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to do something better. <laughs> anyway, how you been? Oh, I'm fucking beat, bro. I've had yeah. a long ass week. How's the schoolwork combo going? It's tiring. Um, I fucking bet. But yeah, I've been like super busy. Like, I literally did research this morning because, like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because on Monday, uh, you know, I went to work and everything, and then one of our old coworkers. Uh, hit me up and because he was actually in town and was wondering if I was here and I was like oh, I'm at school sorry and then yeah. he told me he's like hey I need a cut actually like you know I want this cut maybe you can do it and I was like hell yeah and I was like come to my school and then yeah he came he went on Monday and I cut his oh hair. he did yeah nice but yeah and basically I took like three hours because I've been taking my time Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to like really get better and yeah it took like almost three hours on his haircut well it's because I, I was kind of scared to cut too much too and he kept telling me like no like for the top he's like yeah. you could cut more like like cut a good chunk off and i was like okay this and wasn't then, just an old coworker. he was like a manager yeah. <laughs> like really good friends with the ceo so i would also be intimidated well not <laughs> Not so much that, because, I mean, we, I haven't worked for him in, like, I don't even know how long it's been. It feels like a long time. But you wouldn't want to fuck up his hair. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fuck <laughs> up his hair. Like, I'm trying to make him, or, like, have him come back, you know? True. So, yeah, I was just trying to, like, really do my best work. I mean, I try to do that all the time, but you know what I mean? Yeah. More so with people I'm going to see more often. No, that makes sense. But, I mean... You know how he is. He was very cool about it. He was like, like, don't worry. It's just hair. It grows back. And I'm like, like, I know, but like still. Robert and I used to always joke that he was like too friendly. And like you could just like probably compliment his shirt. And he'd be like, oh, do you want it? And he'd just take it off and be like, here. <laughs> I'll just get a new one. I think that's, that's what makes him like an awesome person though. Yeah. No, he's really cool. You know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> But yeah, it was cool. It was just kind of, I think what took a long time too is because we were talking a lot. That's and what I was thinking. You guys are probably talking, catching up. Yeah. But then Wednesday, I ended up taking my cousin to school with me and I oh. cut his hair. Nice. Um, and I also took about three hours. <laughs> Practice is perfect, whatever. I actually think I um, took a little longer 
But um, he actually really liked it. He actually texted me this morning, and he said, "I look hot as fuck with this haircut." <laughs> and I was just like, "Hell Damn. yeah!" But yeah, I actually do like how it came out. Like I really took my time, and he had told me he's like, "Take your time," and so I did. And I really like do like how it turned out. Nice. Like I think it's one of my best for sure. And That's then, like quite a quite a big deal. Right? One of your best. Look at One you. Of my best. Like it just it suits him well. And it just looks very good. Like it was a very good fade. Yeah. And then um yesterday was my brother's birthday, so we actually ditched school because we were like, nah, let's spend time with my bro. Nice. You guys have fun? Yeah, we just my brother's, you know, he has autism, so he's not a big fan of like crowds, like loud mm-hmm. places so we just kept it low-key literally what he wanted for dinner was just panda express so we were like say less <laughs> and i feel like that was my birthday dinner of choice for a few years so <laughs> relatable <laughs> i was like he loves panda and so yeah we literally just got him panda for dinner we nice. ate he opened his gifts and then yeah we just we watched um sonic the hedgehog too Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That sounds chill. Yeah, it was super chill. He was happy, so. Good. It's all matters. Yeah. And then yesterday, I actually like went to work and everything, and then um, I took my brother to school and cut his hair. Look at you, just taking fucking everyone, you know. For real, everyone, even at school, like every, all my classmates are like, damn, you're fucking busy. They're like, you have so many clients. And I was like, well, I've been bringing my own. Yeah. But, but like, I feel like next week I'm probably not going to have any. <laughs> yeah, no one needs their haircut anymore because you've already gone through everyone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, not, actually at work, I kind of made a mistake the other day. <gasps> and I was like so embarrassed. Were you in trouble? No. Okay. I mean, luckily he called it before I like went too far. Because mm-hmm. I, I basically forgot to turn something on, which is, like, a really big part of the machine. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, usually machines work by turning them on, I've heard. I mean, the m- main machine, okay. It was, like, a, a control for, like, one piece of the machine. Okay. And, like, the whole other machine, like, everything else was on. I just forgot to, like, turn on this control panel. Oh, it's, like, okay. separate. You're like, the entire machine's off. You're like, this no. is... <laughs> no, the whole machine was on. Bad. Like, everything was on. It's just... It's because, like, it's at the back of the machine, too. And I, like, totally... Because usually my trainer showed me to do it... Like, to turn it on right before you run something. Or, like, you know, actually mm-hmm. put jobs in it. And so I kind of was, like, used to that. But then the, like, supervisor dude... He had turned it on earlier, and I think because I had seen it on, like, I just kind of, like, forgot that I had to, like, go back and actually, like, turn on, turn it on. Like, it was, Mm -hmm. the screen was on, but it wasn't on. You shouldn't think about it. Yeah, I just didn't think about it. And also, (laughs) I was really tired that day. I was, like, so tired. I literally, like, instead of, uh, during my lunch, instead of eating, I literally took, like, a nap. Oh, my God. So... Yeah, it was that day, too, so I was like, fuck, like, I was just out of it, you know? Yeah. But... No one blames you for that? Yeah, no. 
I was just more embarrassed than anything because I was like, fuck, dude, like, acting like I know everything or that, you know, I've, I've learned, but apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> apparently you're not actually the smartest person and most uh, knowledgeable there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I'm After not, a week? But, like, it's been three. It started three weeks? I think so. Jesus Christ. I know I was exaggerating with a week, but I was like, oh, week and a half. But yeah, I think that's about it i'm just tired um more like physically like my feet hurt because i'm literally on my feet all day Ugh. well especially this week because i actually had a lot of clients um, yeah remember to stretch <laughs> true i know my sister uh one of my older sisters used to do hair and she would get like such bad shoulder pain when doing my hair that she would have to stop and take breaks and i remember her taking a break and like crying because she was in pain before damn so stretch so that doesn't happen to you well i feel like that happened too because she was she's shorter i was thinking the same thing she's like five one she has to reach up yeah she has to reach up a lot yeah because yeah, well, they tell us to adjust the, like, height of the chair so that doesn't happen. Like Chairs don't even go that low. Uh, yeah, they don't. <laughs> You're going to need to sit on the stool. Yeah, because she would do it, like, at her house. So I'd be in, like, uh, normal chairs. Yeah, then definitely not. Yeah, no. Careful it doesn't happen. I mean, I'm just thinking of trying to buy some really comfortable shoes because that's my main, I guess issue right now you hopefully you can find a comfy pair maybe you could find like a mat to put on the ground too if you're gonna be in one small space true i mean they have one at school oh yeah you oh. should use it i do oh you should get a better one well i'm just thinking shoes in general though because at work mm -hmm. i'm like literally walking like there's one machine where that's literally the job like you put them in one side and then you have to walk to the end and like catch it and then just keep walking back and forth like putting more catching that sounds in. so tiring it is tiring but i also like the machine because it's like i stay busy yeah versus the other machine it's a lot more waiting like i'll put you know some jobs in and have to wait for it to like go all the way in before i can put more mm -hmm. and it's just a very long waiting room so it's just quick and to the point yeah no i don't ever want to have a job where you have to stand all day again. The first job I ever had was retail. And I remember after my first day, I had like a fucking four or five hour shift. Just laying on the couch with my heating pad on in pain. Because I was like, my back hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready for that shit. And now, like, whenever I tell you about this week, like, I was in pain this week from sitting in my chair too long. So it's like, I could never... <laughs> never be happy you my back a, will never be fine you need a balance i need to find some balance yeah but yeah i don't know been busy been tired yes busy and tired how are you i'm tired as well for very different a little bit weird reasons oh yeah you're crazy i saw you texting me you're <laughs> barely going to sleep at like <laughs> seven in the morning yeah, yesterday I'm stupid. Like I wasn't sure who I wanted <laughs> to talk I'm about. Stupid. Yeah. 
Well, I didn't know who I wanted to talk about. I had like so many stories pulled up before I settled on one because we were even going to do a different subject. And then I was like, yo, I all these this stories like catching my eye, like none of them meet our subject. So we switched up the subject last second. I decided I was going to talk about it. And I was like, oh, I should research. But I was tired and I took a nap and I'd eat dinner and then I had a stream. So I didn't start researching till 3.30 in the morning. Didn't finish till 7 in the morning. <laughs> You Holy shit, dude! Crazy. I know. I don't feel great about it because I, I mean, I didn't fall asleep to like seven thirty or something, mm-hmm. and it's. I woke up at eleven forty, so I slept like four hours. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely nap later today, but <laughs> not even right after because I have an eyelash appointment. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> you can the- fall asleep during your appointment, can you? <laughs> What if my friend's trying to talk to me? I'm not to be like, hey, Sophia, shut up. I'm sleeping. <laughs> or just tell her, hey, I'm sorry. I might fall asleep because I'm really tired. True. I'll do that. I'll do it in a rude way because I'm funny. Gosh. So <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, I also made some other dumb decisions this week. So mm. it's been a fucking tiring week for like not normal reasons like you. So, <laughs> in Old School RuneScape, the game I stream, this new raid came out. The, they only have three raids in the game. Raids are just, like, group content, super fucking fun, and have, like, the best drops in the game. Like, worth more than the max cash that you could spend. This is meaningless to you. I know. It's fine. Whatever. There's a new raid, and it was really fun. The day it came out, it didn't come out. They're in England, so it didn't come out my time until 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I usually stream till 4 a.m. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to play it for an hour and then I'm going to go to sleep. I lied. (laughs) That didn't happen. That did not happen. Uh, I stayed up for a while because we were like, no one knew what works. So it was kind of fun just like going to rooms and just like fucking up over and over trying to figure out the mechanics and figuring what was happening. So I was like with a group and we were doing that for a couple hours. And then I was like, no one was really watching the stream. By then, no one was really talking. Everyone was leaving. On Twitch, OSRS, that's what's that's the acronym for Old Squirts Gate. There's usually like 10,000 people watching at max at any time. Because of the new raid, there was like 30,000 people on. And 23,000 of them were watching a single person because like all the big osrs streamers are online so basically i don't think anyone was watching like me or other people because they're all watching these big streamers who are like really good gamers and figured it out quickly mm-hmm. so i ended my stream and was like yeah whatever i'll probably go to sleep in like an hour i lied i did not go to sleep in an hour i stayed up 26 hours i did not go to sleep until 3 30 p.m you are I have only stayed 24 hours once in my life before and I told people all the time I was like I can never do a 24 hour stream like I can't stay up that late and I'm like holy shit maybe I can if the game's good enough (laughs) if you're into it enough yeah I mean I don't think I would have been a good streamer that's why I ended it too like I wasn't being talkative yeah by the end of the 26 hours I was just like sitting there with my head like rested against my shoulder just like (laughs) saying the dumbest shit and dumbest ideas because this new raid, every time that you go to a boss room, you have to do a puzzle first, which is really exciting after um, over 24 hours awake. It's really cool to have to solve puzzles for the first time. Not hard at all. 
Uh, it was so much fun, though. I had so much fun. I think I literally only got one kill that entire time that stayed up. And this this was on a Wednesday. Like, I fell asleep Wednesday afternoon. I stream on Wednesday nights. I slept four hours, woke up, and then ate dinner. I started the stream an hour and a half late. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm starting this shit late. I told everyone at like 3.30 before I went to bed. I was like, I've been up 26 hours. I'm going to stream tonight, but I'm going to stream late and whenever I feel like it. (laughs) So at like 9.30, I started streaming again and streamed until 5.30 doing the raids again. And uh, it's bad. And then last night, I almost I just I almost stayed up late again. And like someone was like, oh, I'll gift you like 10 subs to stay up another hour. And I was like, I can't. I was so I was so tempted because that's like twenty dollars. And I was like, I'm gonna fucking regret it if I do it. Cause then I would have only gone three hours of sleep after research. Like yeah. I would have been at least four seems more reasonable. And in a way that's not reasonable at all, but more so. <laughs> <laughs> more so than three. More so than three. That's like significantly more than three. But uh yeah Just it's sixty minutes. Yeah, I mean that really it feels like a lot when you're only sleeping three hours. <laughs> no, that's very true. <laughs> but it's been a fucking exhausting week. I just keep like taking naps and shit. The new raid itself, while it's so fun, is like Loki starting to anger me because I'm realizing maybe I'm not that good of a raider and it pisses me off. Because yesterday, I only got like. There's an entry mode in the raid. I won't talk too much about it because I know it's going to sound weird explaining. There's basically an easy mode, normal, and then hard mode. Easy mode I could get through fine. I could do it easily. I could do it by myself even. Normal mode, I fucking, fucking, fuck cannot get through this shit, dude. (laughs) Fuck. Like, that's what I was trying to do. We got, I have two normal kill counts now over the course of like three days. I'm spending several hours a day doing this shit. I'm just getting so pissed off with myself. Like, I'm trying not to get too upset on stream because I hate whenever I'm watching streams and they're getting too upset. Like, I would just be, like, frustrated and be like, all right, I'm going to go do something else for a second and then come back. But it's, like, it's making me realize maybe I'm not, maybe my character is not as strong as I thought. And that's annoying. (laughs) Yeah. But I was able to get it. And i got this drop that i wanted which is meaningless to you but it's cool because everyone was like oh this drop's so common everyone's getting on their first kill and it took me like 14 kills so i was getting frustrated by that too like everyone said it's easy where is it (laughs) when i say 14 kills like 12 of those were easy mode by the way i still only have two normal kills (laughs) when i got the first day when i got yesterday i'm like it's frustrating. I'm going to practice. I'm literally going to practice today after I'm all done like editing and stuff. Because I I think maybe I just need stronger weapons. I think my DPS isn't strong enough. DPS is like damage per second. Like I could heal fine, but my weapons don't smack as they should. <laughs> Which is, you can't really do much about that. Because I don't have that much gold. Damn. Oh, well. You're like, wow, I'm so interested in this. <laughs> <laughs> so my DPS, you guys, is just like not even that good. And another thing that made me happy this week is I finally went and did laundry after over a month of not doing laundry. Oh my god. And I got a pet a cat. The pet came a cat blah blah blah. <laughs> I only slept four hours. A cat came into the laundry room. It was so cute. It stood outside and it was like, meow. And I let it in. 
And I was like petting it. And Robert's like, oh, I'm just doing laundry. I can't pet it. And then it walked over to Robert and kind of like jumped around him. So he would pet it. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll pet it. <laughs> it was just <laughs> a super friendly little cat. And we looked at the collar and it's the same name of a cat that we saw when we first moved in. Like it's an outdoor cat that's like super fucking friendly. Mm. But we swear to God, it looks like a different cat. So I'm like, yo, do they just keep getting outdoor cats and naming them the same name over and over? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of dark. That would be. But uh, it like seriously improved my mood being able to pet a cat. I don't think I've been able to pet a cat since May when I went to that cat cafe for my birthday. So that was like the highlight of my fucking week. And also, I never <laughs> want to stay at 24 hours again. Yeah, that's rough. I did not feel good about it. Somebody came to like repair our shower because it had been leaking. And I was just sitting here gaming the entire time they were there. I had to get my attention and I'd be like, hold on guys, I'll be right back to my team. <laughs> and I was just like looking fucking insane because by then I'd already been up 12 or 24 hours. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's up? <laughs> it was good. It was a cool week. I'm so excited to reset my sleeping pattern. I don't even know if I can at this point. Because obviously last night I didn't sleep long either. I don't know what's going on with my life. I'm having fun though. I feel like tomorrow you should definitely rest. I stream on Sunday nights. Oh, you do. The well, only all of Sunday morning stream, Yeah. The only days I don't stream are Thursdays and Saturdays. So I don't stream today, but I have to edit this today. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how much time I have. Maybe I'll go to sleep early. But... Yes, that's that's all that's going on. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to get into my story, I guess, and see how well I did typing all of this at 7 in the morning. <laughs> some weird-ass typos. I'm going to read it and be like, what the fuck was I You're talking like, about? Um, that don't make sense. Yeah, You're like, this didn't even happen. I just made this up. <laughs> anyway. So this week, I'm going to be talking about the murders of Barbara and Patricia Grimes. Barbara Grimes was born on May 5th, 1941 in Cook County, Illinois, followed just two years later by her sister Patricia on December 31st, 1943. They were two of the seven children actually born to their parents, Joseph and Loretta Grimes. Barbara and Patricia were described as being inseparable. They were both considered to be attentive students at their respective schools, Barbara, who was 15, at Thomas Kelly High School, Patricia, age 12, at St. Maurice Catholic Elementary School. On December 28, 1956, Barbara and Patricia decided to go to a local theater and watch a screening of the Elvis movie, Love Me Tender. Both of the girls were fucking huge Elvis Presley fans. They'd recently joined his official fan club, and this was their 11th time watching this movie together. They... Goddamn. They were really into Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) They left home around 7.30 p.m. and promised their mom they'd be back before midnight. They made their way to a Brighton Park theater about a mile and a half away from their home, though it's not known if this exact day they were walking there, taking a bus, as they had done both in the past. Like I said, they'd watched this movie (laughs) ten times. They were familiar with this theater. (laughs) On them, it's believed that they had about $2.50, with Barbara being told before leaving to keep the 50 cents in a zipper of her wallet in case they wanted to stay at the theater for a second screening of the movie. Which, hello, huge Elvis fans. They fucking stayed for that second viewing. You bet your ass they did. Duh. Duh. They're like, yeah, I love it, because this is like me in high school about stuff that I was into, like Harry Potter and shit. I'm like, oh, I would have done this so hardcore. 
the last Harry Potter movie, when it came out, I found it online. Not a shady website at all. I found it online, and I remember I watched it. I think I counted 12 nights in a row, just rewatching the movie over and over. Damn, bro. So I get this. I fucking get this. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen... Actually, I lied. Hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that religiously, but I totally have. What movie? You're not going to be shocked. Well, a maybe. Disney movie. Yeah, it's a Disney movie. Naturally. It... I think I've said it before, but it was our first movie we had on DVD. What was it? Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is a fucking good movie, though. Dude, I literally, like... I don't blame you. I watched this so much that I basically know the whole script. That's it? Oh, you were a kid? Mm Mm-hmm. Kids get fucking obsessed with movies. Whenever I lived with my nieces, like, I... I've watched many movies over 10 times because of living with my nieces. Because <laughs> kids think you can only like one movie at a time. It's weird. Like Frozen. Watch that over 10 oh times. Oh my god, I've seen For that sure. many times too. I used to love Frozen. I unfortunately feel like I related to Elsa whenever I had bad anxiety. Uh, <laughs> I fucking hate Frozen now because I watched it way too many times. Have you seen the second one? No. You should. I should. I'm it's still good. over the first one. <laughs> I was like, hello, was people like were hating on it. People are going to hate on everything because people yeah. stay haters. They really do. People be hating on It is on funny whenever everything. when adults are publicly hating on a movie designed for children. For real. Like, I'm like, like if you Lightyear? like it, that's cool. But yeah, I'm like, bitch, it wasn't made for you. If you like, like it, that's cool. If you don't like it, I mean, you're not really supposed to. Like, like <laughs> they were hating on like how there was a lesbian couple in it. But it's Imagine. Like, what if lesbians were real? That'd be terrifying. What? This is a scary movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I literally, like, even watching it now, like, I could still say everything they're going to say. Oh, it's kind of funny. fuck. <laughs> and actually, I was, like, thinking about that the other day, about, like, how I really do know the movie, like, so well. And i literally was at work and the machines are so loud that sometimes i just talk to myself or i sing no just, was like, just talking quoting Nemo, finding Nemo yes I, I literally was like picturing the movie in my head and like saying everything they were saying if i were your coworkers, i'd be terrified if i noticed that i'd be like yo this dude's crazy nah. you're just sitting there like oh nemo where are where did you go and you're like i'm gonna touch the button <laughs> yeah i literally like what no I've never heard of anyone doing that. That's so funny. You Actually, find your own entertainment. I do. I have to. Because we can't have, like, earbuds or nothing. Oh, you didn't have earbuds in? So you're extra just talking? <laughs> yeah, like, actually. Or what I do, too, is because I have my Apple Watch. So I'll respond mm-hmm. to text by, like, oh, talking. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure I look weird just fucking talking into my watch. I love watching people talk in their watch because they look like spies in, like, weird movies right? from the 2000s. Yeah, I'm literally like this. My wrist in front of my a face. Secret, a secret technology on your arm. Yeah. Anyway, I got super sidetracked there. Yeah, sorry. No, I started that. You're right. But still. <laughs> a school friend of Patricia later told investigators that she'd been sitting behind the sisters at the theater. She noted that during the intermission between the two screenings of the film, around 9.30 p.m., 
The two girls had left to go get popcorn, but she said that they appeared to be in good spirits and nothing seemed like off about the way they were acting. Since the girls had decided to stay for the second screening, their estimated time of getting home should have been around 11.45, but this time came and went with no sign of them. A little after midnight, their mom sent their 17-year-old sister Teresa and 14-year-old brother Joey to go to the closest bus stop and wait for their arrival. Siblings waited together as three different buses passed, none carrying their sisters, before finally heading back home. While they'd been gone, Loretta Grimes was calling the girls' friends, hoping that they'd gone to someone's house, but to no avail. At 2.15 a.m. on December 29th, she officially reported her daughters as missing with the Chicago Police Department. The search that followed the disappearance of the Grimes sisters was one of the largest in any missing persons case in the history of Cook County. Not long after being reported missing, a citywide search had been initiated, with hundreds of police officers being assigned to their search full-time. A task force was even dedicated solely to finding them. The local community came to help, too, with hundreds of volunteers helping do a ground search for Barbara and Patricia. This is all despite the police believing at this time that the girls had simply run away or were staying with boyfriends. But... Even with that, like, their disappearance was still, like, making front-page news within a matter of days. Even though they thought they'd run away. It took around a week for police to begin to take the case seriously after neither girl had reached out to any friends or family since vanishing. During the course of the search, door-to-door canvassing was done in the area surrounding the theater. More than 15,000 flyers were handed out, and nearby canals and rivers were dredged in hopes of finding any leads as to what had happened to the Grimes sisters. The church that the Grimes family attended tried to resolve the case by offering a $1,000 reward to any information leading to their location, but this didn't get any leads. Pleas to the public for any help in locating the girls were made, and plenty of tips came in. There had been a lot of supposed sightings of the girls up to, like, even January 9th, usually in various businesses, supporting some doubters' theories that they had simply run away. Some teenagers who had been at the theater at the same time as them the night they went missing told police that they'd seen the sisters talking to a man who looked similar to Elvis Presley before leaving with him in his car. His car is described as possibly being a Mercury model, but that's all the information that they had on it. Several other people, including a bus driver, claimed to see the girls boarding a bus heading home after the screenings. The driver claims that the sisters exited on Western Avenue around 11.05 p.m. The stop's about halfway between the theater and their home, so it's really unknown, like, why they would even exit here. A young man who'd been attending the movie said that he'd left the theater about a minute before the sisters and had seen behind him as a late model green Buick stopped by the sisters who hesitated before continuing to walk. At some point, he claims that Barbara and Patricia had, like, passed him walking home And he saw them approached by two teenage boys in a black 1949 Mercury, but the sisters simply just giggled and kept walking towards their house. Two teenagers driving around the area that night claimed to see the Grimes around 11.30, about two blocks away from their house. They said the girls had been giggling and jumping out of doorways at each other. Like nothing, nothing suspicious at all. A security guard later claimed that the morning after their disappearance, he'd seen the girls and offered them directions. This was about 12 hours after they would have left the theater. He said he remembered the conversation as both of the girls had been acting like kind of rude to him and were talking very abrupt. That same day, a friend of Barbara's claimed that she saw the girls walking around at 2.30 p.m. 
Around 6.30, a girl Patricia went to school with said that she also saw the girls walking past a restaurant that she'd been in, and they were with two unidentified young girls. Six hours later, a cashier at the Clark Theater in downtown Chicago said that she had seen Barbara and Patricia. At 5.40 a.m. on December 30th, the owner of a restaurant claimed to have seen the Grimes sisters accompanied by a young man, noting that Patricia had either been too drunk or too sick to walk without staggering. A clerk of a hotel claimed that the same day he had checked them into the Claremont Hotel. On January 1st, 1957, a witness reported seeing them board a Chicago bus. On the third, three different employees at a department store claimed that they had seen the girls listening to Elvis at the store's record counter. The next week, a night clerk at a different hotel turned away two girls who had been seeking a room, saying that they were too young, and he believes that these girls were the Grimes sisters. Early in the morning on January 14th, a classmate of Patricia's named Sandra was sleeping when her home phone rang. Her parents answered, and nobody said anything on the other line. Around 15 minutes later, another call came in. This time, Sandra's mom said she heard a frightened and depressed young female voice asking, Is that you, Sandra? Is Sandra there? Before the call was terminated. The girl's mother strongly believes that this call had been made by Patricia Grimes. Weirdly, or I guess maybe not really weirdly considering their interest, a lot of the theories as to where Barbara and Patricia had gone were related to Elvis Presley. Some people thought that they'd maybe traveled from home to go to Nashville, Tennessee to see him in concert, while others thought they'd left home to try and like mimic his lifestyle. Adding possible credit to this theory, a woman in Nashville claimed that she'd met the girls in a restroom and assisted them in getting to a state employment agency to look for work. She additionally claimed that they had used the last name of Grimes on the paperwork that they'd filled out. As a result of all the attention surrounding the case and the circumstances of it, Elvis's Graceland estate issued a statement on January 19th reading, If you're good Presley fans, you'll go home and ease your mother's worries. Reportedly, Elvis himself even made a plea with the girls over the radio to return home. Following his radio appeal, an anonymous letter was sent to a Chicago Sun-Times columnist by a girl who claimed to be a witness to Barbara and Patricia being abducted. This letter said, Outside the show, we all got to talking and we exchanged phone numbers. When we got to the street where we turned off, we said goodbye and we ran across the street. Then Betty forgot something, she had to tell Barbara, and we ran back to the corner. A man about 22 or 25 was talking to them. He pushed Barbara in the back seat of the car and pat in the front seat. We got part of the license plate as the car drove off. The first four numbers were 2184. Betty thinks there are three or four numbers after that. When we heard that they were missing, we didn't know what to do. Although this seems like a good lead, uh, the license plate, the partial license plate and all that, it didn't result in any leads and it's unclear if this was even like a genuine witness. While theories were forming and spreading, Loretta Grimes, meanwhile, was solely focused on finding her daughters and bringing them home, publicly asking a potential abductor, if someone is holding them, please let the girls call me, before adding that I'll forgive them being the kidnapper from the bottom of my heart. On January 22, 1957, a few weeks after the girls had gone missing, a construction worker named Leonard Prescott had been driving down a rural country road in Cook County following a recent thaw of snowfall when he saw what he thought looked like these flesh-colored things behind a guardrail. While he wasn't totally sure what he'd seen and thought maybe they'd been mannequins, he'd been curious enough that he returned later on in that day with his wife, Marie. It's never a mannequin. <laughs> right? 
Upon taking a closer look, Marie fainted as the couple saw the nude, frozen bodies of two girls. The Prescotts immediately reported the bodies to the local police. Joseph Grimes was driven to the crime scene and was able to successfully identify the bodies as belonging to his daughters, 15-year-old Barbara and 12-year-old Patricia. The girls had been found on a flat, horizontal section of the ground behind the guardrail. Barbara was laying on her left side with her legs drawn up slightly towards her torso, while Patricia was on her back with her body covering her sister's head, and her own head was turned like sharply to the right. Upon the immediate examination, there were three wounds found that resembled ice pick wounds on Barbara's chest, as well as injuries that indicated blunt force trauma on her face and head. Patricia herself just had numerous bruises on her face and body. It's believed that the girls had been driven to the place their bodies were found and either dragged or lifted over the guardrail and left in the snow. After their positive identification, over 160 officers from several police departments, as well as numerous volunteers, initiated a search of the crime scene. So, like, little to no real evidence was actually found, and rightfully so, I think, this search was later criticized because they were letting a bunch of untrained civilians just walk around looking for evidence, possibly ruining actual evidence in the process. I don't... I, I don't know if this is a thing in the 50s. Why would you just be like, we found these bodies. We need help finding tips. Anyone can come. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there probably wasn't much evidence to begin with because it does sound like that they were just dropped there. But still, that's like a fucking weird choice. The day after the bodies were discovered, autopsies were performed on the Grimes sisters by three forensic pathologists following a five-hour examination of each body. Due to an examination of the girls' stomach contents, it's believed that they had been killed on December 28th, likely within several hours of them last being seen alive at the movie theater. There were no obviously fatal wounds on either girl, and toxicology reports showed that neither of them had been drunk, drugged, or poisoned before their death. The possible ice pick wounds were believed to be inflicted after death, and smaller wounds in the body may have been caused by rodent scavenging. It was also found that Barbara had likely had sex prior to her death, but it wasn't clear if it was consensual or if she had been raped. Their official cause of death was listed as being a murder. The experts weren't 100% sure what specifically had killed them, but they all reached their own conclusion that it had likely been a combination of shock and exposure to the cold, meaning that when the girls had been left on the side of the road in the snow, they had still been alive. The coroners believed that they had laid undiscovered for weeks as it had been snowing recently and they were only found because the snow had begun to melt. Chief Investigator Harry Gloss of the Cook County Coroner's Office publicly disagreed with the autopsy finding. He believes that the girls had been captive for possibly up to a week before being left for dead, and he thinks that some of the injuries said to be from rodents had in fact been from their killer. He also, again publicly, claimed that both of the girls had been sexually assaulted, saying that, I guess, I don't know if this is true, saying that semen had been in, found inside of Patricia, and that curdled milk was found in Barbara's stomach, pointing to her drinking at a third location, as she hadn't had it at home or at the movie theater. The public bickering between the coroners and Gloss continued, so I'm not really sure what to believe, though one coroner accused Gloss of becoming publicity mad, saying he lacked the forensic science expertise to back up his claims. 
Plus, meanwhile, fears that the coroners hadn't been totally upfront about their findings to possibly protect the girls' reputations or spare their mother's feelings. I think I read one thing, too, that's saying, like, some of the coroners may have been religious, so they wouldn't want to be like, ah, yes, they'd been drinking and stuff. I don't Mm. know. But regardless, Gloss was actually fired, like, the next month. And he insisted that this firing was, like, politically motivated for him saying that. It was, like, a whole weird political thing because, like, one of the coroners was trying to become sheriff and Gloss was, like, an ally with the sheriff and stuff. It was weird. They definitely took these girls' murders and fucking made it about themselves. And I'm like, okay. Stay on track here, you guys. Damn. While the Grimes sisters had been missing and following the discovery of their bodies, Loretta Grimes had been unable to work to help provide for her family. Thankfully, the local community really came together to help them out, eventually earning enough for the Grimes family to pay off their mortgage and for the girls' bodies to be buried. Barbara and Patricia were laid to rest on January 28th at the Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in Alsip, Illinois. The two sisters were buried side by side. In May of 1957, Loretta Grimes received a call from an anonymous person who claimed that they had undressed and then killed her daughters. These were not the first calls the family had had. Unfortunately, they were subjected to plenty of fucked up hoaxes. But in this particular call, the person on the other line said, I know something about your little girl that no one else knows, not even the police. The smallest girl's toes were crossed at the feet before laughing and hanging up. So unknown to the public, Patricia actually did have a deformity on her foot that caused her toes to be crossed. Loretta believed that this person was responsible for the murders of her daughters and noted that she would never forget their voice. A year after the murders, their mother spoke publicly about her confidence that the two girls would not get in a car with a stranger, no matter how uncomfortable they may have been walking in the cold. She herself was of the belief that they'd probably been murdered by someone that they knew. Although in total, over the search and following murder investigation for Barbara and Patricia resulted in 300,000 people being questioned, with around 2,000 being seriously interrogated, only a few people were publicly named as being, like, the big suspects in their murders. One of these suspects was a 21-year-old named Edward Lee Bedwell. Bedwell was a semi-literate drifter, originally from Tennessee, who had been living with family in Chicago before being evicted. He was described as being tall, and some people thought he looked a bit like Elvis Presley. In the weeks prior to the Grimes' disappearance and murder, he had been working at a part-time dishwasher in Chicago. Bedwell had become a suspect after a tip came in from the owners of the restaurant that he worked at that he and another young male friend had been on his work premises with two girls who resembled the Grimes sisters on December 30th. I'm not sure why exactly, but the restaurant owners didn't go to police with this information until January 24th, two days after the bodies were found. And interestingly, he was also the person that a witness said had been seen with the girls when Patricia was walking around acting like she was drunk or sick. They said Mm. that they were with Edward Bedwell. During an interrogation, Bedwell claimed that the witnesses had been wrong and that it wasn't the Grimes he'd been seen with. His story, however, changed in a matter of days, though. And By January 27th, he was arrested following a 14-page confession detailing his murder of Barbara and Patricia Grimes, along with his 28-year-old friend, William Cole Willingham. According to his confession, the girls had willingly spent time with Bedwell and his friend for several days, spending most of their time drinking in skid row bars. He claims that one day they'd all been together and had just seen hot dogs. 
when himself and Willingham made sexual advances to the sisters, who both rejected them. Angry, he said that they had extensively beat the girls and threw their naked bodies into a ditch. So, Willingham did admit to being around Bedwell and two girls on December 30th, but denied that had been the Grimes sister, and obviously definitely denied participating in any murders. Bedwell himself also soon redacted his confession. He claimed that he'd spent days facing intense investigation, and he basically was coerced into it and mistakenly believed that the only way for him to go home was to confess to their murders. Actually, he had evidence on his side. For one, he'd been clocked into his work from 4.19pm until 12.30am on the night the girls had disappeared. In the confession, he specifically said that he'd given the girls alcohol and hot dogs before their death. Although the autopsy showed no signs of this in either of their stomachs, and additionally, they'd not been beaten to death, like he claimed. Even Loretta Grimes, upon reading the confession, said, It's a lie. My girls wouldn't be on West Madison Street. They didn't even know where it was. On February 6th, Bedwell was freed on bond and acquitted of these charges. Should say, though, that while he may not have been involved in the Grimes murder, he was convicted literally that same year of statutory rape following a sexual encounter with a 13-year-old who he said claimed she was 18. There's been like some controversy around Bedwell because some people still think he could have done it and think that like Loretta, the reason why she said like he wasn't involved is because she was like in denial maybe about the girls and what they were doing. Like... Mm-hmm. She didn't want to think that they were, like, going out, drinking, and all this stuff. But apparently, like, there was witnesses, more witnesses. You know, there's been a billion witnesses here. Who knows how many of them are accurate. But some witnesses said that the girls would, like, hang out outside of, like, bars and, like, ask older men to, like, bring them alcohol. But their mom obviously said that this wasn't true. And a friend of their older sister, Teresa, said that they were nice, ordinary little girls poor and happy we all were. Their mother had to work and she assigned them housework, like mopping the floors. Our idea of fun was to pour soapy water over them and slide around in our bare feet. Giggling, silly little kid stuff, you know? They might have accepted a ride with someone they need to get warm. Either that or someone forced them into a car. So, some people say that they had been out, like, drinking with random people. Other people are like, no, there's no way that they would have done that. So, who knows? Because also, you know, Teens and almost teens aren't always the most honest with their parents. (laughs) Another suspect in the murders was 17-year-old Max Fleek. I'm not even sure how exactly he became a subject, but I think that they liked him for it because he was around the same age, so that would make more sense. Based on what I could find, he actually confessed that he killed Barbara and Patricia while taking an unofficial polygraph test. However, because of laws that prevented minors from taking polygraph tests, like he'd agreed to this unofficial one because he couldn't take an official one. These test results were unable to be used against him, and having no other evidence, police were forced to release him without charges. He reportedly went to jail for an unrelated murder of a young woman later on. The last publicly named suspect of the Grimes sisters that I read about was 53-year-old Walter Kranz. Kranz claimed to be a psychic and had called Chicago police on January 15th and told Aubrey that he thought both the sisters were dead and that he believed their bodies would be located near a park in an unincorporated area of Chicago. This park was actually only about a mile away from where the bodies were really found. 
Well, I hadn't given his name when calling in this tip. The call was traced to nearby his home, and eventually he was questioned. He told police how his family had a long line of psychics, and that he himself had a vision of the girl's bodies following a night of drinking. He denied any involvement in the killings, and after being subjected to multiple interrogations, he was eventually released. Eighteen years after the murders, it was announced that while the case was still open, there were no credible suspects in Barbara and Patricia's deaths. 2013, an unofficial investigation to the murders began when a retired Chicago police officer named Raymond Johnson began personally researching and looking into the case. He said that he believed the case was solvable, but only with the public's health, as someone out there must know what had happened to them. In his own opinion, he thinks that the murders were committed by a man named Charles Leroy Melquist, who had been a suspect in the girl's abduction and murder. Melquist was actually a self-confessed murderer. So in September of 1958, he killed 15-year-old Bonnie Lee Scott, disposing of her decapitated body less than 10 miles away from where the Grimes were found. The day after Bonnie's body was found, Loretta Grimes received a phone call, who she thinks was from the same man who had called and claimed he killed her daughters. This time, the voice on the other line said, I've committed another perfect crime. This is another one those cops won't solve, and they're not going to... I mean, it didn't say the exact quote, but basically they're not going to be able to blame Bedful. Melquist himself was never questioned in the girl's murder, as his attorney forbade him from answering the police's question, and he died in 2010, never having been charged in the Grimes killings. While the family may not have gotten a definitive answer, Barbara and Patricia's younger brother James did say in 2013 that he welcomed this, what he called public reopening of his sister's case, saying, I just assumed it was never going to be solved. Maybe there's hope. But unfortunately, that was the last update that I was able to find. Since 2013, there's not been any more information on the Grimes sisters' murders. And yeah, that is it for my story. I will, of course, be posting stuff on Instagram and Twitter about them for you all to see. Damn. I just, I kind of hate these unsolved ones because I just feel like you know, you're left guessing or just still questioning what actually it's happened like, to them. Even stuff that I feel like we should know, like the autopsy, I'm questioning because I'm like, okay, this one guy said he claims that, like, the autopsy results were, like, low-key a lie. And I'm like, okay, could that be mm -hmm. true? Because what the fuck? Yeah. I don't know. It's really weird. Well, like, with mine, I just, I feel like I ended up with more questions, too. As you will see. Okay. All right. The Jameson family is from Eufaula, Oklahoma. It consisted of the father, Bobby Dale Jameson, who was 44. The mother, Sherilyn Leanne Jameson, who was 40. And their six-year-old daughter, Madison Stormy Star Jameson. The family had plans to buy a 40-acre plot of land near Red Oak, Oklahoma and the secluded San Boys Mountains, only around 30 miles from their lakefront Eufaula home. The family had dreams to relocate to the wilderness and lead a peaceful life away from civilization. And as they made preparations to buy the land, it looked like their dreams were starting to come true. But then tragedy would strike. On October 8, 2009, the Jameson family loaded up their truck 
to set out into the mountains to finalize their purchase. They were never seen alive again. The initial investigation into the Jameson family disappearance indicated that they had probably not vanished on their own accord. Latmer County Sheriff Israel Buchamp immediately launched a massive search for the family, which included drones, tracker dogs, and hundreds of police and volunteers, some on horseback, all of which turned up absolutely nothing at all. It was as if the family had simply stepped off the face of the earth. Police suspected some sort of a foul play, but there wasn't much information to go on. The family's pickup truck was found abandoned a short distance south of Quinta, a few days after the disappearance. The Jaminsons were nowhere to be found, but they did find their malnourished dog, Maisie, was still in the truck. Also discovered were the family's ID cards, wallets, mobile phones, and GPS system, and about 32000 in cash. Holy shit. I was like, that's a lot of cash. That is a lot of cash. And they weren't known for carrying that much cash with them. Um, so this was, like, fucking weird. Yeah, it's super weird. Well, I mean, they were on their way to, like, you know, pay for their new home, so I'm assuming that's what it was for. Um, yeah. Because yeah, oh, it was, like, left in the car. Right? I'm like, if they were murdered, wouldn't you want to take the money? Right? Unless they didn't know about it. That's true. Over the next eight months, there would be one of the most extensive manhunts in Oklahoma history, leading to the tracking down of numerous leads and interviews of scores of potential suspects, all of which turned up absolutely nothing. Neighbors said that both Bobby and Sherilyn had been acting strangely and looked shockingly gaunt and emaciated. This led to speculation that they could have been using drugs heavily, specifically crystal meth, which was a drug that just so happens to be flourishing in the mountain area where they had disappeared. That I guess there's literally like, or there was meth labs all over the place in the mountains. Jesus Christ, that's dark. Yeah. And I guess they had a surveillance system, and they found footage on the day that they left their house, and it just showed them making several silent trips between their vehicle and their home, um, just, like, packing up everything. But they say that in the footage, the couple's movements were described as trance-like. That I guess they were literally, like, just packing their car and then sometimes just stare at each other but like they wouldn't say anything that's sad i'm like it's weird yeah but yeah i guess you know they did search the truck and the house but they found no evidence of drug use and family and friends insisted that they had been clean i guess it is even thought that even if the family wasn't directly involved in a botched drug deal then they must have stumbled across one of the many secret meth labs in the remote mountains. And just basically, you know, maybe they came across one and then were murdered because, like, they didn't want it. people knowing or being discovered. I still, I don't get why they wouldn't have taken the money. Unless maybe the money was, like, more, like, locked up in the car, you know? Yeah, it could have been, like, deep in the car and they just didn't care. Yeah. 
Because it's just, that's not an insignificant amount of money at all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess also in the video, it shows Sherilyn placing a brown briefcase in the vehicle. And Sheriff Buchamp remarked that he believed the briefcase could be an important clue, but that both the briefcase and Sherilyn's handgun have never been recovered. Oh. The skeletal remains of two adults and a child were discovered by two hunters in a remote spot of Latmer County in November 2013, more than four years after the family went missing. Holy shit. And get this. Their remains were discovered less than three miles away from where the family's pickup truck had been abandoned. Did they search the area, you said? Supposedly, they had an extensive search. I mean, there's kind of the same thing with my story. They were like, hundreds of people searched. No one saw anything. I'm like, I mean, mm -hmm. I guess it would be hard to check, like, every single foot of land, but still. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah. The remains were widely presumed to be those of the missing family, though the Oklahoma Medical Examiner's Office had to use anthropological and forensic pathological testing to identify them. Officials confirmed on July 3rd, 2014, that the remains belonged to the Jamesons. A cause of death was not determined due to the heavily de decomposed state of the bodies and the circumstances surrounding their disappearance remain unknown. Before the remains were discovered, several theories emerged about the family's disappearance, such as they had faked their own death, were in witness protection, were murdered, or had died by group suicide. I would like to say that there's no group suicide when one of the victims is a child, by the way. <laughs> That's just murder. <laughs> true. Very true. You can't say, oh, the six-year-old, yeah, they, they really decided to be involved. I'm like, they're it's, six. it's more of a murder-suicide. Yeah, that would definitely be more of a murder-suicide. Anyway, sorry. No, you're good. One theory of what happened is that the Jamison family simply got lost in the woods, dying of hypothermia and exposure. Which doesn't make sense, but okay. Another theory was that they were murdered by Bobby's own father. Okay, that's random. Why would this be a thing? <laughs> well, I guess shortly before their disappearance, Bobby Jamison was actually involved in a bitter lawsuit with his father, Bob Dean Jamison. Oh, that's awkward. Claiming that he had threatened the family and had struck him with his vehicle in November of 2008. His dad had hit him with his vehicle? Yes. Holy shit. The family had apparently sued Bob over property he was owed after working at the family business. Bobby Jamison had apparently been owed half of the proceeds of the sale of a gas station they co-owned and his father had gone back on the deal. Shitty dad. For real. When Bobby's father had twice threatened to kill them, the family had put into effect a protective order against him. What the fuck is this dad's deal? Holy shit. For real. Just because oh like, he like, sued him and was like, yo, like you owe his money? Yeah. Shitty. Um, but I guess that's part of the reason why they had a security, like, surveillance or whatever is set up in their home mm -hmm. but yeah and i i guess uh 
Sherilyn Jamison's mother, Connie Kokoten, is quoted saying that they were just, she knew that they were really scared of Bob and that she had heard that he supposedly had ties to the Mexican mafia. Oh, what the fuck? So, yeah. Well, because I guess he did have a lot of money. Yeah. So that's why they were, like, scared of him. Mm-hmm. And I guess Bobby also alleged that his father was involved in meth and criminal activity. Which kind of makes sense if he has ties to Mexican mafia. Or, I mean, why he would. his fucking issues. Yeah, true. But police do not believe that Bob Dean Jameson has was involved in the family's disappearance. It was found that he was actually sick and hospitalized during their disappearance. Mm, okay. Another theory is that it was a result of a murder-suicide. And I guess there's certainly circumstantial evidence pointing to this. I guess both Bobby and Sherilyn um, at various times have been severely depressed. Sherilyn, I guess, was really depressed at one point because her sister Martha just died of a tragic freak accident or, like, death. I guess she had, like, gotten a bee sting on her tongue and just, like, died. (gasps) What the fuck? Yeah. And then I guess Bobby was in constant pain due to a traffic accident he had been in. So just, I guess, you know fucked up and obviously that must be depressing to be in pain all the time like physical pain. yeah and i guess they also found an 11 page hateful letter written by Sherilyn directed at her husband which was found in the car what in the car mm-hmm. what the fuck yep well actually i think i read on another article that it was in like a container at their house so i'm not sure but it definitely existed Mm -hmm. it's weird and it was just suspicious too because a 22 caliber pistol which charlene had and had been kept in the like they kept it in the truck had been missing like they have they can't find it anywhere definitely a point to murder suicide Mm mm-hmm and a coroner had also claimed to have found a small hole in the back of Bobby Jamison's skull, suggesting that he was shot. But whether this is caused by a bullet or something else remains unknown. Hmm. Another popular theory was that the Jamisons themselves were drug dealers. And they basically just kind of came to that conclusion just because they had such like a large amount of cash on them. Yeah. This is another crazy theory, but um, I guess the Jamison family pastor, Gary Brandon, came forward with many odd statements concerning the family. He claimed that in the days leading up to the disappearance, the family had told him that they believed their house to be haunted and that they were involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, a total, like, complete turn. Yeah. And that they had been involved in what he referred to as spiritual warfare. Okay. The family had apparently frantically claimed that they had made contact with the spirits of a dead family in their house. And that their daughter, Madison, had been regularly talking with the ghost family's child. Hell no, dude. (laughs) (laughs) 
Two of the ghosts were allegedly called Emily and Michael, and one of them was reported to have wings like an angel. Um. <laughs> okay. According to these claims, Bobby Jameson had become so upset by the hauntings that he had specifically requested special bullets with which to shoot the intruding entities. What the fuck? This is so weird. <laughs> His wife, Sherilyn, had began to investigate whether the house was built on an old burial ground. And I guess Bobby had supposedly obtained a so-called satanic Bible in order to rid the house of the presence. What the fuck? So weird. Yeah. I guess, uh, like, this kind of was backed up because they did find, like, a witch's Bible somewhere in the house. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. And I guess they also found, like, a weird message, like, in a random storage container. Mm-hmm. And it, it read, three cats killed to date by people in this area. Dot, dot, dot. Witches what don't the like their black cat killed. Okay. I'm like, what the so fuck, bro? Was two? What the fuck? I was like, this is, like... Spooky, like it is i wasn't expecting this shit but then i started thinking about it i'm like what if like they did get possessed and then that's why they were like entrenched like you know that's creepy as shit but that's extreme yeah that's uh i've not heard of something like that <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bizarre but yeah despite the theories there are no suspects in the case just because, I mean, it does point in so many different directions. But yeah, it's definitely a cold case, and I don't think anything new will come of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, it was actually featured on Dis- Disappeared in 2010 on an episode titled Paradise Lost. I want to watch this because I'm really... A lot of questions about this ghost shit. Right? Like, I... Yeah, I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely interesting. I was like, what the fuck? I did not see that turn. I mean, I didn't even see the turn no. with the dad. I was like, wait, yeah. the dad? That was already too much drama. I already forgot about the dad because all this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't expecting. Pos- potentially possessed. Yeah. I uh, actually, the other day, I streamed a little bit of Phasmophobia. It's like a game where you're like trying to figure out what this ghost is that's haunting thing and the ghost could kill you in the game and somebody stopped by the stream and said that them and their spouse were uh paranormal investigators mm-hmm. and i was like asking them a little bit about it and they were saying that ghosts can like in their experience what from what they've learned is that ghosts can scratch you and like terrorize you but that they can't kill you and I thought that was interesting. They said that. No idea why. Hmm. They were being a little vague about their experiences, though. So who knows? But it was kind of interesting to hear. Doesn't mean they weren't possessed, sense. though. Yeah. I was like, can they kill you if they're possessed? Yeah, I don't know. Because I was like, how would a ghost kill you? It sounds more just like... I mean, obviously that would cause stress in the family if they were seeing shit. Wouldn't be good for mental health. <laughs> That's weird. That's fucking crazy. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that weird uh, supernatural term events. I think that's going to be it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to check out our Instagram and Twitter, they're spooky shit underscore pod. I'll be posting pictures of all the people we've spoken about this week. Our website is spookyshit-pod.com. And if you want to email us any like uh, subjects that you really want us to talk about or any specific stories, just hit us up at spookyshit.pod at gmail.com. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Okay. Thank you for listening. I appreciate thank it. Thank Talk you, to thank you guys you. soon. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. E.